This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello listeners, welcome to the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular. I am Glenn Butler. With me as always is my brother Scott Butler. Say hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. We're here today on an episode that's a little different from a lot of our others, especially since we turned this thing into a bi-weekly Star Trek fan cast. Yeah, we didn't really need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're recording this almost a day removed from the shooting at the Pulse Club in Orlando, and I felt like I had to do something, and a podcast is the thing that I have. So, we're here. In case anyone hasn't heard, which I don't think is very likely, the Pulse is a club in Orlando, it's a gay club, a nightclub, and early Sunday morning it was attacked by a man with an AR-15 who killed 50 people, injured around another 50 people, was involved in a standoff with police, took hostages until the police busted in with an armored vehicle through the front wall of the club, Numerically, it's the worst mass shooting in the U.S., which seems incredible. Ever. In history of the U.S. Yeah. Which seems very incredible. The Pulse was opened in honor of the owner's late brother who died in the AIDS epidemic, which involves a whole other layer of political and cultural malfeasance, to say the least. It was opened in honor of the owner's brother and named after his heartbeat, which seems kind of wonderful. Until you shoot a hundred people in it. <laughs> yeah, until you shoot a hundred people in it. Um, that sounds crazy to say, but literally, there's 50 people dead, and the last number I saw was 53 had to seek treatment at a hospital. It's a hundred people this guy shot. Yeah, seriously. And there are accounts of victims and witnesses about how if you're in a busy nightclub and someone starts shooting, you might not know at first. You know, there are some people who thought it was part of the music, or the the DJ knew it wasn't part of the music, but he thought it was a firecracker or something, maybe? Yeah. And plus the music is so loud at those places, and depending on how many people are inside. Yeah. But, um, obviously attacking something in the LGBTQIAP, etc. community in the middle of Pride Month carries certain connotations which are horrific and disgusting. 
Is that what we're calling it these days? Certain connotations? Oh, well... Is, is that the term we're using for this guy hated homosexuality so much that he shot a hundred people? Well, there are all sorts of people jumping in with all sorts of rumors and suppositions and assumptions. You know, this was a man with an Arab-sounding name, and I'm not saying his name on my podcast. So, of course, everyone assumes, oh, this is ISIS, or this is radical Islamic extremism. Maybe. I mean, I've read reports from people who knew him and from his father saying he wasn't that religious person, so I don't know that that radical Islamic extremist label is going to stick, but homophobia and extreme religious devotion are not exactly mutually exclusive. They, they are not mutually exclusive, but... You know what he was? You say this was a guy with extremist beliefs. You know what this was a guy with? This was a guy with a rifle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, from what we know, it's one bigot with a history of domestic abuse who could easily obtain firearms, who got violently upset at the sight of two men kissing, as described by his family members and decided that people that he didn't like weren't people at all. You know, it's something that happens when political and religious and cultural figures delegitimize the lives of queer people over and over and over again. It's something that happens when people use deeply held beliefs as a screen for their own bigotry. It's what happens when we're swimming in an environment where gender roles are enforced brutally, but gender identity isn't respected. It's what happens when one of the two political parties that matter nominates a person who thanks his supporters for the congrats over assuming the ethnic identity of a shooter. It's what happens when we still have a Second Amendment in the U.S. It's what happens when open carry radicals are accepted, but LGBT people in bathrooms are a public menace. You know, after such a furor in recent weeks and months, particularly about trans people in bathrooms, which is a direct descendant from similar panics about gay men in bathrooms, or lesbians in bathrooms, or LGBT, etc. people teaching children, or existing in any way in the world. Remind me again... Because this guy shot 100 people. It's the largest death toll of any mass shooting ever in the history of the United States of America. Remind me again the last time that a trans person in a bathroom killed a bunch of people. How many people died in that incident? Yeah, seriously. I believe or, the answer is zero. Or the, or the last time a trans person in a bathroom attacked anyone. Ever. I remember the gay men in bathrooms panic, because I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> I remember mom warning me about using public restrooms, because there might be perverts in there. Oh my god, seriously? Oh, yes. This, these are conversations we had when I was around 8 or 10 years old. Oh my god. Maybe even younger, because it was before we moved. So maybe closer to 7, 7 or 8. I remember having conversations like that. And, you know, when every aspect of someone's life is politicized, you can't turn around and clutch your pearls and bloviate about how disrespectful it is to politicize our deaths. Before we go any further, I want to note 
the organization Equality Florida is raising money for the victims and their families. That's at GoFundMe.com slash PulseVictimsFund. So far as I know, that's legitimate and actually going to an actual LGBT civil rights organization. Also, the Florida Red Cross is asking for blood donations in response to all of the victims they've been treating in hospitals. And I read a thing, I assume by the look on your face, you read the same thing. They actually, in the desperate need for blood to treat the 53 wounded... What? No, go on. You're, you're waving me off. You're, you're waving me off like, no, stop, stop. I'm waving you off like I'm about to respond, but... In the desperate need for blood donations to treat the 53 wounded, they suspended the rule banning gay men from donating blood. No. Apparently, oh no? No, they didn't. I read that they did. That, that so was, was that a wrong report that I read? That was another rumor that someone started. They totally didn't. Okay, so it is, it's still way too dangerous to accept blood donations from a gay man. Well, we are now in a bold, progressive era where a man who is gay or bi or pan or queer in some way can donate blood if he hasn't been sexually active in a year. Oh, wow, okay. That was just put in place a couple years ago, I think. But any queer man who is sexually active still is banned from donating blood because of a law enacted in 1983, I believe, completely banning any man who's ever had sex with a man at the time. And that lasted up until, I believe, 2014. But yes, we're still banned from donating blood for our own people. Just to clarify, because I keep saying we, I am pansexual. Scott, you're straight. I am. To the extent that that is relevant. Well, I am necessarily excluded from the class of people who would have been present in this nightclub, which has become the site of the largest killing spree in United States history. Yes. <laughs> or the largest mass shooting in United States history. If you're, if you're going to start counting mass killings in United States history, well, then there's like 9-11 and shit like that. Yeah, let's not go confusing our terminology. Largest mass shooting in U.S. history. Happened yesterday. Happened yesterday at a gay nightclub on Latino night in the middle of Pride Month, which is one thing that's really hitting me about this. I mean, there are reasons why hate crimes are considered especially heinous. To attack a gay nightclub, which... Bars and nightclubs have been, like, a haven for queer people for a very long time because we didn't have any place else. Yeah, that's going back 40, 50 years. Yeah, like, past Stonewall, way back. And those clubs have a long, long history of being raided, of being singled out by police, especially back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and before when the cops could raid a gay nightclub and suddenly out dozens of people all at once. Back when it was still illegal to be gay. Exactly, when they could raid one of these places and arrest everyone just for being there. Yeah. And so to attack a place like that is particularly vile. To attack it in the middle of Pride Month, all of these things are a direct threat 
not only to the exact victims, the hundred plus people and more who were in the club, who were victimized in this particular attack, but the reason a hate crime is considered especially heinous is because committing a hate crime against queer people somewhere is a threat to queer people everywhere. Also on Sunday, a man was arrested on his way to the Los Angeles Pride Parade with weapons and ammunition and explosives. These are direct threats, not just to the people who are going to be at that parade, but anyone going to any event now has to think, what's going to happen at this club? What's going to happen at this parade? Was that guy in Los Angeles given a pat on his back and sent on his merry way by the police? Because none of those things is actually illegal to have until you use them to kill 50 people? This particular man was arrested, but... Every article I've seen about it stresses that authorities are trying to determine his intentions. Really? You know, they're trying very hard. He was on his way to the Pride Parade with weapons and explosives. Maybe he planned on buying a birthday cake. <laughs> At a news conference, police stressed that they were still trying to figure out what he planned to do with the weapons. I mean... What would you do with guns and explosives? <sighs> right? Also, in the case of the guy in L.A., a friend of his, contacted by the L.A. Times, says he didn't harbor any ill will toward gays or lesbians. Quote-unquote. Which, you know, that's reassuring. Well, that, that, that completely exonerates him. I'm sure he was headed to the Pride Parade with guns and explosives in the spirit of fellowship. In contrast, though, the shooter in Orlando... His father, especially, is being really, really good about noting, you know, my son was a huge homophobe, and I am terribly, terribly sorry that he's done this horrible thing, basically. Uh, he is noting that he wasn't religious, which I feel sorry for anyone who's going to be the victim of Islamophobic hate crimes after this. Well, you have to pick one or the other. Are you, are, are you siding with the homophobic Muslims, or are you siding with the Islamophobic gay people? Well, pick a side. It's like that Team Cap or Team Iron Man. Oh, good lord. Are you Team Homophobes or Team Islamophobes? Because nobody can be tolerant and accepting of all kinds of people. The way the world works is you choose different marginalized groups and set them against each other. So that straight white people like me can just sit back and enjoy the show. So you can just... Yes. <laughs> See, the Muslims hate the gay people, and the gay people hate the Christians, and the Christians hate the Mexicans, and the Mexicans hate some other group, undoubtedly, and once they're all fighting with each other, the straight white people like me can just sit back and enjoy our Wall Street profits in peace. That's exactly what I was getting at about his religion. I mean, regardless of his personal faith, Regardless of what he thought about Islamic extremism or whatever fear-mongering stuff we hear about all the time, the people peddling bigotry in law, in culture, in our country, are not Muslims. They are Christians. The people telling groups of parents, if your kids are showing these signs that they might be gay, then you have to do X and Y and Z. Or you can't accept them. Or such and such people aren't accepted in our community. Or people writing laws 
desperately, desperately trying to strip what few rights queer people have won away from them. The vast majority of those people in the United States are Christians. And, I mean, there are Christians who don't do that, and there are queer Christians who still hold their faith as an important part of their lives, and that's great for them. There are queer Muslims, you know? There are queer Jews. And one ultra-Orthodox Jew you might have heard about last year got out of prison after serving a 10-year sentence for stabbing people at the Jerusalem Pride Parade, got out of prison, went back to the Jerusalem Pride Parade and stabbed six people. I remember that story, yes. He, he was released from his prison sentence where he was sentenced for attacking people at the Pride Parade and like one of the first things he did after getting out of prison was go to that year's Pride Parade and attack more people. Yeah. So... What I'm getting at is, if you're inclined to think that I'm making too much of these things, or if you're inclined to think that hate crimes are crimes and there's no difference, there is a difference. It has a chilling effect on everyone else in the community. I was talking to my boyfriend today, and he was telling me about how he doesn't want to go to any Pride events now, because he, you know... Doesn't want to get shot? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to put it crudely. <laughs> because there are things like this that emphasize that you never know what's going to happen. When I first came out to Mom, I came out to her by telling her that I, you know, was planning on going to the New York Pride Parade. And she, she was the sort of person who didn't really get it, but she kind of tried. So, I mean... Mom was sort of the classic person whose views evolved over the course of her life. Because I remember when I was in high school, or just graduated high school, so this was 1996 or so, probably the summer of 96, when I had a friend who I had gone to elementary school with, and then he moved away and I hadn't seen him, and then he was back in town after school, but before we all went away to college, and we were hanging out with him, and he had recently come out. I think he had come out at his school maybe a year or two earlier, but none of us who hadn't seen him since elementary school, he had just come out to us. And one of my friends was pretty homophobic, in part because of his devout Christian beliefs. And so there were some discussions among the group of us. There was like five of us, and the one had just come out as gay, and so there were, and the one guy was very, very, very opposed to that. And I had another friend who didn't really know how to feel about it. And so there was discussions amongst the group of us. And I mentioned this to mom at one point. And her comment, which I will always remember to this very day, I will always remember this comment she made where she said, I'm your mother. And I don't care if you are or you're not. As long as you're not. Yeah. That was her opinion in 1996. Apparently that had evolved by the time you came out to her. Yeah, by the time I came out to her in 2009 or 10, she was a little better than that. Uh, it got better. <laughs> but she was the sort of person who didn't really get it, but she tried. And I remember one of the things that she said very soon after that was that she advised me not to go to the Pride Parade in New York because she was worried that there would be violence. That some homophobe would try to do something at the Pride Parade. And I basically laughed that off. Really? Yeah. Haha. Uh -huh. Because the picture that I had in my head 
wasn't of someone with a semi-automatic rifle or an explosive. The picture that I had in my head was someone, like, throwing fists and immediately getting taken down and taken away by the bears and the drag queens, basically. But that was rather naive. Yeah, the presence of an AR-15 assault rifle sort of changes the odds. Yeah, it really does. And so you start asking those questions. What's going to happen if I go to this event? Is there going to be someone dangerous there? And you can say that I'm probably safe enough in Connecticut, but if I go to the New York parade, New York's a really big one. They're going to have a lot of people there. And so there's this chilling effect, which happens with hate crimes and terrorism. I'm so sick of that word terrorism. I'm reluctant to label anything as terrorism at this point. Yeah, that's fair. There's an extent to which the word terrorism has been appropriated and reappropriated so much in the last 15 years to just mean anything we don't like. Anything we don't like done by a Muslim or a brown person. Yes, that too. There are two impulses there, in a way. There's an impulse to stop calling things terrorism quite so much, and an impulse to highlight terrorist acts by white domestic terrorists. You know, the shooting of George Tiller, the bombing of Planned Parenthood clinics, the attack on a uh, Pride event. There's an impulse, while not wanting to call everything a brown person does terrorism, to use that more for other acts that are meant to inspire terror. I am very, very reluctant to use that term for anything other than the actions of a white domestic terrorist at this point, because it has been so polluted by racists and Islamophobic people. Yeah, that's definitely fair. consideration paid for by the following what's up everybody this is kevin kelly make sure you check out every episode of the kevin kelly show right here on the place to be nation place to be nation.com the kevin kelly show every episode is a winner at least we hope place to be nation is justin rosero here in addition to the kevin kelly show we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on itunes stitcher google play and place to be nation.com and we now offer them to you on two great feeds as well on the place to be podcast feed you can check out scott criscolo and me on the mothership the place to be podcast with our famous vintage vault pay-per-view reviews ptbn also covers current day wrestling with clotheslines and headlines main event mission indie possible in our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on wwe nxt and ring of honor super shows Relive Wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. We also have sports covered, too, with the Sports Lounge, the TJ McLoon Show, and NBA Team Podcast. 
On our brand new PTB Pop podcast feed, we offer great shows such as the Glenn Butler podcast, Our Spectacular, Rank and File, Lucha Undead, as well as a veritable podcast heaven for comics fans with the hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both feeds on iTunes and be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All these shows are available on PlayStation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. Be sure to check out on the right-hand side of the site for details on how to support the site when you shop at Amazon and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in Westward Rock, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts, and Scott Keats' blog of doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling-only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network where you'll find a ton of in-depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's One-Two Punch of Exile on Bad Street and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave, Goodwill Wrestling and the reaction shows with Good Old Will from Texas. We've got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show, Tag Team's Back Again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze, and a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. angle to sort of take on this not you know instead but you can approach this from the homophobic hate crime angle which it obviously was and you can also look at it as another entry on the long 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 list of mass shooting events that we've had in this country over the past 8 10 15 25 however many years back you want to go And I've seen a lot of really interesting takes of people approaching it from the gun violence angle. And it's kind of interesting to me because nothing ever happens in terms of actual reforms to try to prevent gun violence. Nothing ever happens. In fact, there was one statement that I read that I thought was sort of perceptive. That somebody said that in retrospect, the Sandy Hook school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut was basically the end of the gun control debate in this country. Because once someone massacred a bunch of first graders and nothing happened to our gun laws, at that point, the debate was basically over. Nothing was ever going to be bad enough to get us to actually change our gun laws. Yeah, that is where I go whenever another one of these shootings happens again and again and again and again. There's always the same debate because there's always the same monstrosity. But 
I tend towards cynicism on that note almost automatically. Well, at this point, how can you not? A room full of dead first graders, and nobody did anything. I, th- I think Connecticut passed some state laws. Connecticut but... passed something about background checks, I think. Some, like, milk toast half measure got done in Connecticut, but... Nothing national. Nothing national, nothing outside of Connecticut, nothing happened. At which point, what's it going to take? Ever. Exactly. And, I mean, despair isn't a very useful thing, but that's what I've got. I should point out that both of our Connecticut senators have come out with rather strong statements on the gun violence angle. Because what is there to say about the homophobia angle other than, I'm sorry so many people are dead because of hate? I mean, there's not really a lot to say on that that hasn't already been said. I think even saying that is kind of a step up from the average public official. I don't know. All the Democratic public officials that I've seen have, you know, covered that. The president made a good statement. He did. I know Chris Murphy's statement started out with that sort of generic, you know, it's too bad these people are dead because somebody hated a different kind of person sort of statement. But Chris Murphy, senator from Connecticut, put out a response to this shooting and he ended it with the statement, Congress has become complicit in these murders by its total unconscionable deafening silence. This epidemic will continue without end if Congress continues to sit on its hands and do nothing again. There was a similar statement from Richard Blumenthal, the other senator from Connecticut. His statement reads, My heart breaks for the families of loved ones lost or injured, and for our nation continuing to suffer from this unspeakable epidemic of gun violence. The Senate's inaction on gun violence prevention makes it complicit in this public health issue. Prayers and platitudes are insufficient. The American public is beseeching us to act on common sense, sensible gun violence prevention measures, and we must heed that call. I think basically the politicians who actually do support some sort of measure to try to restrict gun violence are reaching the same sort of cynical place the rest of us are at, especially the senators from Connecticut in the wake of the Sandy Hook shooting and the inaction after the Sandy Hook shooting, where they're just laying it out there. That's not some sort of mealy-mouthed, milquitoast statement that, you know, could mean anything and is just meant to appease people. That's a pretty direct statement. And I'm... Glad that our senators are making statements like that. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, I agree. I I just, I'm afraid I don't personally have a lot to offer on this other than cynicism, which I recognize is not helpful. I also like that people are starting to see the hypocrisy and the uselessness of of the typical political response where they say, oh, this is such a tragedy, my thoughts and prayers are with the victims. Which never really meant anything to me and is more and more being called out as not meaning anything to anyone else either because the thoughts and prayers don't really do anything to stop the next person with an AR-15. Yeah, the first person aided by thoughts and prayers is the person offering the thoughts and prayers because then you get to feel like you did something. Without actually doing anything. 
And if someone you're offering prayers for is, in fact, deeply religious and that means something for them, that's great. But in terms of practically doing something for a person, or doing something in memory of a person, thoughts and prayers mean very, very little. Thoughts and prayers may mean something if the person is a deeply religious person, and you know them, and they know you, and you are close so that your prayers may actually mean something to that person. I don't care how religious somebody is who managed to survive that nightclub in Orlando. The thoughts and prayers of a politician from Oklahoma don't mean shit to them, even if they are devoutly religious. I retweeted something earlier today. Paul Ryan tweeted that we pray for those brutally attacked in Orlando etc etc to which someone responded you voted against the matthew shepherd and james bird hate crimes prevention act of course he did which obviously of course he did but that's just bluntly pointing out how little his prayers mean and how little the thoughts and prayers of so many of these public officials in particular actually mean as we record this, it's only about a day after this shooting happened. And so far, the biggest public relations snafu in response has been Donald Trump accepting congratulations because he called it a Muslim man did something violent. Supposedly, a supposedly Muslim man. <laughs> How long before some right-wing figure or religious person... Not just a religious person, but a religious authority figure. Not just a random dude who claims to be a Christian, but a pastor, or, or a religious leader, or a political figure from the Republican Party. How long before one of them comes out and says, you know, if these people weren't gay, they wouldn't have been in that nightclub, wouldn't have gotten shot. Speaking of Twitter, the lieutenant governor of Texas tweeted early in the day some Bible verse about, they reap what they sow. Okay, apparently it's already happened. <laughs> I called it. Congratulate me, like I'm Trump. <laughs> yes, that was a tweet sent out at 7 a.m. on Sunday from Lieutenant Governor of Texas Dan Patrick. Not the Dan Patrick you're thinking of. Yeah, I, I saw an article about that and I was confused as hell for about 10 seconds. Which, of course, was deleted, and everyone claims, oh, that was automatically scheduled, he didn't mean that to be about the shooting, and I don't really care about any of that, but even that coming out at that particular time is just so descriptive <laughs> of the attitudes that a lot of these people have. So yeah, you called it. Congrats. <laughs> I believe that qualifies me for the Republican nomination for the presidency, right? I'd sooner vote for you than any Republican. I wouldn't necessarily say any Democrat, but, you know. <laughs> write, write up a whole platform and I'll look through it. Alright, I think we're spent on these issues at the moment. I know I'm spent from following this all day and seeing all sorts of people's reactions. People bravely saying they're going to go to more events because fuck you, we're here which is a reaction that I always treasure. People saying that they're nervous about going to things, which I completely understand. And people just having all sorts of reactions and connecting to what's happened in various ways. 
I think we are going to wrap up here. If you can, again, that fundraiser for the victims is GoFundMe.com slash PulseVictimsFund. So far as I know, it's legit. I think that'll be it for us. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott.